Why don't you do the introduction? Welcome to this special edition of the Five Heart Podcast. In the absence of Greg, my name is Todd Wolverton, and I'm here with our fearless leader, Mr. John Dam Johnston, my loyal friend and companion. Hi, John. How's your stay in Lincoln been this weekend? <laughs> you do a better intro than I do. You should just do these from now on. It's been a it's been a nice weekend. I mean, we got to see a uh, a baseball series against Rutgers that had an unfortunate outcome, but uh, uh, we were both credentialed members of the press. Yeah, I was a media kinda, type, That's which kinda. is which is kind of disturbing. <laughs> Uh, Todd actually sat up in the media room and uh, wrote stuff, and uh, I walked around Haymarket and took photos. And Nebraska lost. Baseball, we lost. We lost all three games. What were the scores? <laughs> Glad you asked. Um, I don't remember what the score was Friday night, but they got beat 6-5 to five yesterday, and they got shut out 6 to nothing today. Uh, something tells me maybe the score on Friday night might have been 5-4, to 5-3, something like that. There's a common number there. Yeah. It's five. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they needed a lot more than five this weekend. Um, it, was, it was a frustrating weekend for the Nebraska baseball team. And, um, you know, they, uh, the bottom line was this from my perspective. Rutgers came in. They fought nine innings every day. They scrapped. Uh, every inning, their pitchers went out there and they challenged Nebraska hitters. They, they beat up the strike zone with their pitches, and um, they were there at the end of the game, every game. And Nebraska failed to do that. Nebraska, um, there were some things that, um, things that happened that kind of exposed some weaknesses for the team. So, What the hell happened to our offense? Well, that's a good question. Um, if anybody sees it, would you please send it back? Uh, you know, gosh, the first night they had struggles hitting the ball even though you know they did get up um, to a quick lead um, you know they were they were ahead at one point three to one scored in the first inning um, you know uh, had some excitement these you know it's not often you go to a college baseball game or a professional game and see an inside the park home run and we got to see one of those that just you know lit that place on fire um, you know we could Talk a little bit about some theatrics that happened there, but oh, please bring them up. Please bring this them up. This is the Five Heart Podcast. <laughs> there you go. Well, you guys drink, I swear. Come on. There you go. Well, I'll tell you what. That, the Friday night game. To be honest with you, I was sitting next to one of the writers that, from uh, the Omaha World Herald, and and uh, in the first couple of innings, you know, I leaned over and said to him, you know, this is kind of starting to remind me a little bit of those old Texas series, you know, when whenever Texas would come to town, when Nebraska was back in the Big 12, especially when Augie Garrido was the coach, there was always intensity in that ballpark. You know, the crowd was always geared up, you know, they were ready to go before the first pitch, there was some electricity in the air, and that same atmosphere was there on Friday night. And, um, you know, holy smokes, you know, Joe Acker uh, <laughs> hits this inside the park home run and uh, then he puts on this little stomp um, and, and screaming at the top of his lungs and kind of struts all the way to uh, the Rutgers dugout, kind of showing them up. And, uh, you know, we couldn't tell for sure what had happened from the press box, uh, but it, it didn't make the Rutgers team at all happy. And their head coach, Steve Owens, he came out and he was complaining to the umpires. Well, the, the crowd was already on his case because earlier in the game, 
um, he was arguing a, a tag at home plate. Um, uh, Jackson Hallmark threw uh, a guy trying to score out at home plate, and uh, you know the guy he just he was flying in his dive and his slide towards towards home plate, and Griffin uh, Everett grabbed the ball and tagged him, and tagged him on the foot is what the call was. And from where I was at, it looked like he probably got him. Now, some people say he missed. Okay, they, the Lincoln, I think it was the Lincoln Journal Star has a shot of that photo from a different direction okay. than I do. And yeah. that, in that photo, it doesn't look like he's close to him at all. Yeah. I have a whole sequence of him. That, where he got him, yeah. Yeah, I, I have the whole sequence from, because I was sitting right behind home plate, and being the masterful photographer I am, <laughs> I, yeah, he, he definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, it, and it looked like he probably got him because, you know, the, the, the umpire didn't even hesitate. I mean, the no. umpire made the call. And to be quite honest with you, that tag happened with that base runner so far away from home plate. It did. Um, you know, Griffin Everett could have spun around and landed on top of him and still tagged him out before he got home. Um, so, you know, there was. The coach, you know, came down from third base. Uh, he was he's coaching third base, and he was arguing the play. And of course, you know, the Nebraska crowd, they just got all over that, and so they made life miserable for him for a while. But then, you know, a couple innings later, when um, Acker had that home run and he started complaining, um, from the best I can tell, there was a lot of trash talking going on between the two dugouts, <laughs> and. Uh, Coach Bolt, he even came out. I don't think Coach Bolt said anything, you know, at all. No. But um, all of a sudden, the umpire walked out there and pointed his finger at the Rutgers dugout first, and then he turned and pointed his finger at the Nebraska dugout, warning both of them. So that, uh, you know, was his attempt to take control of the game. But um, yeah, there were a lot of fireworks in that. <laughs> there were a lot of you, you know, today, today I was down behind home plate again. And uh, I can't Rucker scored or something, and they started doing some whooping, and the ump turned and pointed at him and said, "No, no, no, no," <laughs> and and they immediately shut it down. I mean, they were still cheering, but apparently they were saying something that uh, he did not like. So well, you know, the, the umpire today, I think, uh, had some pretty thin skin. Um, you know, one thing. Anybody that goes to baseball games, you always know that uh, a good portion of the crowd thinks that the umpire sucks. That you You're know, terrible! Yeah, yeah. I love that guy. Whoever yeah. yells that guy at college baseball parks, you should get free get yeah. Christmas gifts or something. And, and the, their terrible guy was really loud, you know, here these last three games. And uh, but you then, know, there's, then there's, what, do you want to go home early? Are yeah. you tired? You got that guy. Yeah. I think he always had the, come on, Blue! Yeah. Come on, Blue! Yeah. And I haven't seen an umpire wear blue for a lot yeah, of years. I, know, I you know, never know what that is. Yeah, they don't wear blue anymore at the college level. But uh, Maybe they hate policemen. Well, Let's not go there. Let's, we're not going there. We're going to defund umpires? Hey, wow! Whoa! <laughs> it's all over now! <laughs> well, uh, you know, it... Here's what was great about the weekend, and you know when your team gets beat three games, and I mean, you know the game Friday night was really demoralizing because it was so exciting, and Nebraska got off to a good start, but Rutgers just kept plugging away, plugging away, plugging away, and then you know in the late innings they brought in a relief pitcher, Nebraska's relief pitching, the bullpen, just absolutely fell apart. Uh, Braxton Bragg gave up back-to-back -back home runs, and um, you know they were monster shots, and so it was really demoralizing. But what was beautiful about it was 
fans in the stands and you know I think they said that on Friday and Saturday both of those games there were well over 5,000 stands or 5,000 fans in the stands now officially the capacity at Haymarket Park is a little over 6,000 fans oh I didn't know that yes it's like 67 I thought it was 15 no, it's like 60 it's like 6700 is the official capacity but that is seats that does not take into consideration the berms and um, you know okay Nebraska Nebraska baseball fans tend to pack those berms and they'll sit out in the outfield on the hills out there and um, anyway they, they said that there were over 5,000 fans for both um, those games and uh, you know, that would include the Berms because they didn't have the stadium full. You know, fans at the game will, um, you know, they're, at Nebraska games, they're always pretty jacked up. And people come out and support the team. And, um, you know, we had the first real beautiful weekend that you could have for baseball. And, and I know that they were expecting good things. You know, Nebraska had just gotten ranked. Um, they're on top of the Big Ten Conference. But the reality is this is baseball. And this kind of stuff happens okay. in a sport. I want to ask, why do slumps occur? That's, that's the thing everybody says. Well, just how the game is. Why? Why is it how the game is? Well, you know, it's, I think to, it's too complex of a question to answer it real well. But here's the, you know, I think the bottom line is this. Um, you know, Rutgers had been battle tested. Um, Rutgers had won two uh, series on the road against Michigan and Northwestern. Now they got their butts whipped by Iowa in between those two series at home. Iowa and Rutgers are probably the two teams that are playing the best right now in the conference. I mean, they're kicking ass right now. But Rutgers had been under, under fire. And you know, while, while we read in the newspaper on Friday how the bullpen hadn't given up any runs in 20 plus innings, um, you know, were they reading their head, own headlines or, or what? But the reality is, is that, you know, I don't think that, that, that those pitchers had seen, you know, the kind of hitting that Rutgers was able to put out on the field. And while their averages, they only have one hitter that's hitting over 300, those guys came out and had a plan and they were not going to allow Nebraska pitchers to get ahead of them in the count. And what happened is they started smacking the ball around and then the pitchers got tentative and they tried to nip and, you know, then they get behind in the count. And I, you know, it just seemed like it repeated, you know, batter after batter, they get behind the count and then they'd have to throw the ball over the plate and the Rutgers guys would just smack it. You know, today, um, that pitcher from Rutgers, the, the starter who was two and two coming into the series, I mean, he absolutely controlled the game. Okay. You know, you know what I think? Shannon started out, and his first six pitches were balls. First six pitches I think were that balls. the umpire wasn't even awake at the beginning of that game. One would question that because you could even you could look at Shay Shannon and his body language spoke volumes. Shannon, he was already his mind was already playing games. He was playing mind games with himself. You know, six pitches into the game, right? Because he was questioning almost every one of those pitches and wondering why they weren't a strike. Griffin Everett finally called timeout after the sixth straight ball and went out and tried to calm him down. And you know, in in essence, saying, "Hey, look, you know, uh, you're going to have to throw the pitch here. He's not going to call. He's not going to call the pitch that you're going to throw out there. You're going to have to bring it in. You're going to have to get more of the plate with that pitch." <laughs> Funny thing is, is once once Shannon figured out the strike zone, he had eight strikeouts 
strikeouts, and he made seven of those hitters look absolutely foolish swinging at these pitches that were down in the dirt because his doggone slider was working so good. I mean, it, it was unfortunate that it took him that long to get into the game, and then he never really put that behind him because you know he was down four runs by you know the time they took him out of the game, and they were all earned runs. So you know earned runs, those are on the pitch. What's our, what his, what is his ERA? I don't know what it was, but today it was 6.0. It was so, five coming into the game. Okay. So we mentioned the number five before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think the thing is, is we, we, you know that Nebraska's pitching has done well, but they've done well because the offense is doing well. But when the offense goes away, we're going to lose games. Why? Because we have to score five runs a game. It's kind of like going into a football game with Nebraska's defense. And say what you want about Nebraska's defense, but Nebraska's defense is going to allow probably 20 to 25 points a game because that's how it works. You're never going to shut down an offense unless they're just completely terrible. And Nebraska so far has been able to win their games by hitting the ball, getting people on base, terrorizing everyone else with base runners, and they couldn't even get on base in this series. So there's no terrorizing if you're not getting guys on base, therefore swept by Rutgers. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and yesterday's game, last night, late afternoon, whatever it was, I think Nebraska ended up with nine hits. Um, and they got a few runners on, but the, then, the pro, then it became, you know, who was going to step up to the plate and get that hit uh, in those important moments when there are runners on base. If there was one characteristic about Nebraska's offense during the Ersted days, it was they squandered a lot of base runners. Timely hitting. They could never get runners across base, uh, get runners across home plate. You know, last night was kind of indicative of that. Um, but, you know, you can see where this program's going because, you know, Will Bolt talks about unselfish play. You know, doing, you know, sacrificing for the team. You know, we've talked about a lot of them. A lot of times we've talked about uh, the sacrifice bunts and hitting and running and double steals and some of that kind of stuff. Well, the epitome of that, at least in this series, was on two different occasions. Luke Roskin came up. And, you know, in essence, rather than sitting there and trying to drive the ball deep, he hit behind the runners to advance them. Now, yeah, uh, on two different occasions, that's, that's happened with him in this series. In neither case did the next batter up, you know, do something to score the run. Right. Um, Ephri Cervantes last night, you know, and first of all, I think they should have pinch hit for him, but nonetheless, you know, they, they didn't. But there in the bottom of the ninth with that run on third, he was trying to hit, you know, to the first base side and put the ball in play. Unfortunately, he slapped a line drive right to the second baseman. You know, he hits that ball five feet right or left of that guy, tie ball game. Um, but, you know, so, so the guys are buying in to Will Bolt's offensive philosophy. The problem today was they had one hit the entire ball yeah. game until the eighth inning. They got their second hit in the eighth, and then they got uh, their third hit in the ninth. Um, I couldn't even begin to count the number of pop-ups they had. They were popping the ball up all day. And generally speaking, from a hitting perspective, what that means is people are, are, you know, the hitters at the plate are too anxious and they're not waiting long enough for that ball to get deep enough into the zone to barrel up. Um, when you talk about good, solid hits where, you know, the meat of the bat hits the ball, Nebraska only had probably three or four of those today and two of them were foul balls. 
um, it just it just was not their day at the plate and I think in large part they were down two games in the series and each one of those guys decided that they were going to do everything they humanly possibly could do to try to win that game and they got out of they got out of their zone so well I talked to a couple of Rutgers baseball players that were like doing uh, statistics or I don't know they were up behind home plate at the top of the first level I talked to them for a while, and I asked them what they thought of Nebraska. And one said it's just too far away from the sea for him to enjoy. And the other one said he really loved Nebraska until he found a snake in the outfield during batting practice, which apparently freaked him out, and he said, I wanted to go home. And after the game today, the, after they swept us, I went over and spoke with some of the Rutgers' parents. Now, here's the thing about this. They were all very nice people. Which, uh, you know, I should have asked them because my uh, stereotype about people from New Jersey is they're, they're all kind of, well, people from New Jersey, you know, they're all harsh, they're abrupt, they're, I don't know, Italian. That's probably loud. It. Yeah, loud. These were very nice people. Now, I did ask them, I asked them if they enjoyed their trip to Nebraska. They all said yes. They thought that the ballpark was excellent. They, th they, want, they loved the fans. Of course, you say those things after you sweep somebody, but you know they were they were pretty nice about it. I asked them how their fan support was, you know, not considering a pandemic, and they said it's nothing like Nebraska, but they'd like to see it build that way. And they really, right now, Steve Owens, their head coach, is in his kind of second year. He's hired at the same time as Will Bolt. Uh, they're happy with their coach. I talked to the D1 baseball guys earlier in the year, and they said that Steve Owens is probably going to build that program up. Because for years, Rutgers has sucked. They really have. They go down to Miami at the beginning of every year and get their asses kicked. Uh, I also asked them, uh, I said, okay, everybody makes fun of Rutgers. And when I meant that, I meant their football program, everything about Rutgers. And one of them said, basically, we're going to be the reason why people stop making fun of us. And I think they're looking forward. They're building a new stadium. They're raising money to get a new stadium. So I don't know. If you're a baseball fan, we'll see what happens with Steve Owens and Rutgers. But the important thing about that is it's yet another Big Ten baseball program that's making efforts to be better, like everybody has since we joined the conference. So, uh, I don't know. Is that enough baseball? Well, yeah, I, I think it is. I know that you know the Cornhuskers have a week, you know, to get get their heads straight, um, week to prepare for. They're going now. They're going to Rutgers. They're going to Piscataway um, for a, their pod series, and um, in this pod they've got Indiana and Rutgers. So they're going to open next weekend with two games against Indiana, who's been at the top of the conference and was, I think, predicted to win the conference or be one of the top two teams in the right. conference. Uh, Indiana's got very, very good pitching statistically. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be a challenge for the Cornhuskers. But on the backside of that, they're going to play two more games against Rutgers. Um, and so, you know, hey, um, maybe that's where we can return the favor and take a couple of them take a couple from them, you know, on their home field. So um, we're just at the beginning of the May, uh, beginning of May, and uh, there's a lot of baseball yet to be played. Nebraska's got some big games, um, but now they now they know uh, what they're going to face against 
the top level teams in the conference and are they going to be able to make that adjustment and are the pitchers going to be able to toughen up so that they uh, so that they can compete that's where it's going to that's where it's going to begin and end is with the pitching staff i think okay we're going to move to football so you want to talk about football oh uh, yeah we had a spring game oh that's right that's where you're at yesterday i was I okay was, i was at the spring game on the field with a camera and you know uh, what it was hot oh god it was hot you know what else it was uh fairly exciting kind of exciting it was like they, i think it gusted up to 432 yeah. miles an hour. yeah 432 at least yeah, was, what's that knots kind of an asshole the question <laughs> is that Four. Four. I don't know. <laughs> Fucking knots. Yes, I went to the spring game, Todd. Thanks for asking. Did you watch the spring game? I, I watched the first uh, quarter and a half of the spring game. Then I drove into the baseball game. And I watched uh, basically the last play of the third quarter and the fourth quarter while I was in the press box. And, um, you know, they to expect anything out of the first half with you know the restrictions they put in play all it was I think was uh, designed to give Adrian Martinez and the other quarterbacks an opportunity to throw the ball downfield and say you know what we're gonna throw the ball downfield uh, maybe that's our offense well you wouldn't know that looking at the second half why is that because they ran the ball ran the ball, yeah, ran, the ball ran the ball ran the ball I don't, you were there. What were your impressions? What did you think? What What were your takeaways? From well, I interviewed Yoshi after the game, so check our channel for Yoshi's interview. And when I said to him this statement, we have one quarterback, he said, we have one proven quarterback, which is correct. He's very diplomatic and he's very right. And I just think that, I, you know, people ask me, what was your impression of Adrian Martinez? You know, I really don't care about Adrian Martinez. He's a known quantity. He's he looked a little faster, but really what I, I mean, I had a camera with me the whole time, so I'm shooting photos of people. Uh, I really think that if we're going to be successful this season, we're going to have to keep Adrian Martinez very healthy because the other ones looked very rough to me. Yeah, I'd say very, very healthy. Um, you know, I, I said all along, in fact, when we talked in one of the previous podcasts, what are you looking for at the at the spring game? Well, I'm looking at the number two quarterback. Whomever that might be, is the number two quarterback uh, going to be able to step in and, and win a football game for Nebraska? Because with Adrian's track record and injuries, uh, we're going to see the number two quarterback. There's going to be no yeah, question. Yeah. I think the other thing I saw was – uh, our two of our starting receivers look like gods on the field. You know, uh, Samari Torre yeah. and Omar Manning. Well, and don't forget, you know, Oliver in there either. You know, um, Oliver Martin. Oliver Martin. He fumbled the ball. He's well, out. <laughs> He's gone. Oliver, you, I think you're gonna the three starting receivers that you're gonna see when the season opens when you got three on the field are gonna be Martin, Ture, and Manning. You know, assuming that they all get into the season healthy, and that's a that's three new guys. You know, that weren't out there last year, and um, they're taller. Yeah, uh, you've got some speed. You yep. don't have Wandale shiftiness. Right. But um, I don't know. Ture looked pretty did pretty he? cutty. I thought. I yeah. don't know. Well, that'll be good. So, you know, I'm an expert at watching these guys, you know. <laughs> to me, I think the wide receivers are in good shape. 
What do you think about the running backs, John? There are a lot of them on the I, field. I think, there is, I think there's this thing where everybody thinks this marquee step that was out is going to be so like some kind of savior, and I don't think we need a savior. I think Marvin Scott looks like a decent running back. I think he could – I don't know if he's going to be – Herschel Walker – well, he's not going to be Herschel Walker. He's not going to be Emmett Smith. But let me tell you, one of the best backs in the nation last year was Mo Abraham for Minnesota. He did nothing fancy. He simply ran the ball and got four or five yards of carry. And then at the end of the game in which we played him, he put a dagger in our heart by just making first downs with very simple runs. And I think Marvin Scott looks like a guy to me that can, he can fill that role. He seems to move well. He seems to have enough strength. Uh, he seems, I, I like the guy. I liked him when I watched him last year. Who, uh, Step was out and then who was the other one? Was Ramir Johnson, Ronald Tompkins. I think Ramir Johnson was out. Ramir Johnson was out. Ronald Tompkins had a couple of carries. Sevian Morrison. Right. You know, people, there yeah. were some people I read in the paper today, they kind of liked the way that he moved. You had the true freshman, Irvin, who um, caught a couple of passes in the first half. And, um, you know, look, he, he didn't look like a freshman. I mean, he, he, he's, he's uh, a solid guy. And then there's the walk-on, you know, that uh, uh, number zero. Yant? Yant. And, Yoshi liked him a lot. And, yeah, and, and you know, the, I heard a little bit on the broadcast, you know, them talking about him, that he's a little bit of a thumper. He's a big guy that's not afraid to, you know, initiate contact. And, you know, so right there, you know, we've listed off, you know, six or seven guys. Uh, and doggone it, if, if you can keep at least three or four of them healthy, um, you know, and the offensive line does what people think it's capable of doing. Maybe there actually be a running game this year. There's a line that fits here. The cream rises to the top. The cream rises yes. to the top? Well, maybe the cream will rise to the top. Now, honestly, when I watched yesterday's uh, the spring game, what I saw was chaos because, I don't know, it was hard to tell what was going on sometimes. When you're down on the field, it's really difficult sometimes to figure out what's happening because there's so much crap going on around you. On a normal college football game, if you're down on the sideline, you would be surprised at how much just massive amounts of shit is happening. You've got, you know, an officiating crew moving change. You've got cheerleaders. You've got, you know, I, police officers down there directing people. Apparently, if you're Penn State, walk behind their bench and stand there for a minute. You're about to be arrested or beaten. <laughs> I, I don't know what was up with that last. Well, it was two years ago now. But uh, there's a lot going on. So it's difficult sometimes to pick up on stuff. Now, Yoshi, when I talked to him, he mentioned that he saw an offensive line playing as a unit. Now, when he answered and he said he saw them moving together, you know, you have slide protection where guys are supposed to recognize when, they, when they're doing like a wall for pass protection, they know that if, like, and let's say a center, a guard, and a tackle slide in a direction together, if you're inexperienced and you're not playing well, then two of those guys slide and one of them doesn't. You've got a hole or a gap, you know, and that's what he said. He saw guys playing together well as a unit, which I, you know, I played an offensive line 40 years ago. Not very, very well, but you know what I mean? I kind of, he does this for a living, so I think he knows what he's talking about. Uh, what else did I, you know what was neatest about that thing? 
right before, I don't know if this was on TV, uh, right before the game started, there was an introduction video, you know, uh, they do tunnel walk videos, right? Right, yeah. Okay, they did a, like an introduction video, and when, when Scott Frost said, welcome back to Memorial Stadium, I could cry right now. I got goosebumps. Look at that. I still have goosebumps. Yep. It was just like, oh my God. It was so beautiful. And then people went, oh, and then I don't know. And then Syria started. Well, I, yeah, I had, you know, up in the press box today, I was talking to a couple of the writers there, and they both mentioned that the tunnel walk yesterday was incredibly emotional. Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, maybe that's, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, you know, I think like the that. thing is, is this weekend, really, the biggest thing was to, to have people back at venues. I mean, being in Memorial Stadium and listening to a crowd just have fun was like, uh, you know, things aren't so bad anymore. And then, you know what I noticed when I was down the crowded Haymarket? Friday, everybody was wearing their masks. Saturday, <laughs> some people were wearing masks. Today, not so much, you know? There wasn't a lot of flag wearing going on, or flag, mask, mask wearing, wearing, flag wearing. There wasn't a lot of mask wearing going on today, which, you know, whatever, I didn't really, it didn't bend, I didn't get bent out of shape about it, but overall, this was an incredible weekend to be in, uh, be in the Nebraska sports media, uh, being around at uh, Memorial Stadium and at Haymarket Park. It was too bad that the Huskers lost their series with Rutgers. Yeah, that, that, that put a little bit of a damper, but otherwise, beautiful weekend weather-wise. Spring is here, summer's around the corner, and I'm looking forward to more, more good baseball, more good, good things, and, and fall can't get here soon enough. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I think I've said all I'm gonna say. Really? I think so. Is it because people are coming into the driveway and they're about to bother us? They look like they're related to you. They and do, and they... The only thing we need they are, are some of your relatives here joining this podcast. You know what? They'll be, they'll be upset as how much I swear. Well... Okay, we're going to sign off real quick. Why are you coming closer? <laughs> the hell? You can't go into your house yet. This is Todd Wolverton. That's John Johnston. This has been the Five Heart Podcast. Don't you supposed to say something about five hearts is the only heart? Five hearts is the only hearts that you need. John? Go Big Red! There you go. Get out of the house! <laughs> well, that's